everybody i'm tom and i'm andrew and we are the robots after all i know it's been a little bit but we're back and we're talking about from software i know andrew is in love with this series and we're going to talk about some of the games we've been playing he just beat elden ring i haven't played it but i've been playing bloodborne and i think i'm going to start off here with a little bit of history um so from software started in 1986 and as a business application software, I don't know what that means, but in 1994, their first game came out and it was called King's Field and it was for the PS1. And, and it was a, it. Huh? And nobody bought it. And, and yeah, I don't know what the, what, how popular it was, but it was a 3D real-time RPG and I did watch a playthrough of it. It's pretty interesting. The music is very haunting. And it gave me, it almost like it really set the foundation when I was, I was watching this playthrough because it's very much like they just throw you into the game and it doesn't seem like they tell you anything. They give a little bit of the story, but then the, the player, it was like a long play video and he's just going through first person view, going through and then like you have like a weapon that you attack like this. So you don't see your character at all. You just see it when he attacks, he draws the weapon in front of you. And there's random enemies, and a lot of the combat is basically you see an enemy, and you're in like a hallway, like a Doom style, and you, you have like a, an enemy. Yeah, you chop. You have to back up, and the backup it reminded me of like, oh, that's like a roll dodge, and you go, and then you have to go back in and chop them, wait for them to attack, and go back in. And when you get hit, it's like um, it does a lot of damage. So that that was pretty so, fun. So that, so some of that original DNA was there. Right, like they they drop you in, they're not telling you anything, um, and the combat sounds like it's very difficult in this case yes. because of technical limitations. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, the graph. I mean, for the time, it seemed like it was kind of a little bit ahead of the, ahead of its time for the time. If you know what I'm saying. I want to read the game summary briefly here. This is right. from the. By the way, the from web soft from software website pretty in-depth they give a lot of history they have a timeline of their games and like awards they won it's kind of cool i recommend it uh kingsfield ready let's hear this okay kingsfield is a first person 3d rpg which takes place in the underground tomb of the kingdom of verdite the player takes the role of gene who explores 3d dungeons all alone in this dark fantasy world with his sword and magic spells a lot of challenges await Gene. The player will gain a great sense of accomplishment when overcoming tough situations in the game. I think that stands out. The player will gain a great sense of accomplishment when overcoming tough situations. So it's kind of like that's like their their mission statement for what's to come. It's like right. put you yeah. in the insane uh, environment and just like once you overcome it, you are like elated. So. Totally. I actually have an, uh, as you were reading that, I envisioned a guy repeatedly chopping with a name tag that said Gene on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love they keep throwing that out there. His name is Gene. It is Gene. Weird name. Weird name choice, though. Yeah, bizarre. Must have been one of the devs or something. I'm looking at one of the skeletons right now. And a couple more things. They, uh, did you know they did the Armored Core series? You know, I didn't know that. 
They did Armored Core, um, Tenchu 3, specifically. Okay, I didn't know about the Tenchu games. Okay. And another, a bunch of other games that I'm familiar with, like Eternal Ring for PS2. don't know that um, one. But yeah, and then in, what was it, 2009, that's when Demon Souls came out. And are you familiar that they did a VR game as well? I am not. They did this in 2018, the VR adventure Deracine. Uh, it's spelled with oh. a lot of accents. You know what? I actually do remember seeing this on another YouTube channel that it had come out. Um, and I was like, oh, I should check that out. And then I never, never, never bothered to. But I think it's more of like a mystery kind of puzzly type of game more so than a, than a traditional from software game. Yeah, I did watch the trailer and that's kind of the vibe I got. It's kind of um, walking through unsolving a mystery type of thing. It looked cool, but be curious to check it out. And you have to unsolve it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Immense the unsolving. They put a a twist on it. (laughs) But yeah, that's my little uh, brief segment of, of From Software. Um. Yeah, and that's all I got for that. So I'm curious, um, your history with From Software because I think you know you've you've played a few of the games. Yes. Uh, so I think I started with the original Dark Souls because that's the one you were saying has the wolf guy, right? Sif. Yeah, Sif. Yeah, and that's the only one I've really played up until the boss and then I never beat the final boss which is disappointing I really want to go back and do that I think after I go through Bloodborne I I really want to start at the beginning and I mean I probably um, start at the beginning and then go forward I mean Dark Souls when I first played that one it was captivating I didn't hate it I understood the challenge of it and I mean, I committed to going through it. It's like each area was its own challenge and its own environment to explore. And I think you didn't really have games that were like that. So one of the first of its kind. And honestly, I I feel like if you got to the end boss, you basically beat Dark Souls. Like you did all the hard parts. Right. Is the finding where to go. Um, you know, getting the right items to then get through the right areas and doing the specific area because it is open world. I mean, they say that Elden Ring was kind of the first open world, but the original Dark Souls, like you can pretty much go like when you when you first start the game. I mean, once you get out of the Undead Asylum, you can you can go down to New Londor Ruins and get your ass kicked. You can go to the catacombs and get your ass kicked, or you can go to Undead Berg where you only slightly get your ass kicked. But you can can go to those other places. Um, so it has a little bit of an open world concept to it but um but yeah i i feel like you, if you if you got to the end of boss you basically beat dark souls well i'll take it although i do want to go back and actually beat him at some point i might yeah i don't know how i'll, how I'll do that if i'll start with that one or maybe i'll just skip to two and go from there and maybe go back no, eventually don't do that don't don't even play two don't, don't play two no it's the worst it's like it's like honestly if somebody described a Dark Souls game to a bunch of developers and then they tried to build it from scratch without ever knowing what the first game was and they just didn't even come close to the mark of the first game 
and there's so many things wrong with it. I mean, one of the things that I think is brilliant about Dark Souls is the environment design coupled with the enemy placement and the kind of enemy design is what makes the, da- the game difficult. And like, you kind of have to strategically approach situations in Dark Souls 2, they just throw a bunch of big open areas and then throw, a, you know, eight to ten enemies and they just bombard you with enemies. And it's like, hey, here's what makes it difficult. You have all the mechanics of Dark Souls, but we just flooded the area with a bunch of enemies to make it hard. Well, I think that's what makes Dark Souls special is having these kind of enclosed environments sprinkled throughout. And then yeah. if you just have the enemies in the open... I mean, you want to have those enemies that sneak up behind you. You want to have the enemies that you come around a corner and they stab you to death. You want to have the enemies <laughs> that like all of that to happen. <laughs> you walk down a corner and they jump on you and they're giant yeah. rats and they have. Well, I want to be able to walk into an area because when you start kind of picking up the formula, you know, I want to walk into an area and be like, this is probably what's going to happen. I'm probably going to get ambushed because there's these corners that I can't really see. So like you're kind of prepared for it and you know, there's probably like one to three enemies in the, in the particular screen that you're dealing with. But in, again, in dark souls too, it's like, there's a point where I was like fairly early on in the game um, where I had like climbed a ladder and then like all the guys had chased me and like, it's like, eight or nine guys like came up the ladder after me and I was like, wow. Okay. So this is how you made the game hard. You just literally, you know, flood with enemies. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I had, so I, I beat, um, I played dark souls got the sense fortress, which is fairly far into the game. And I just got defeated by it. I couldn't get to the top of sense fortress. That's the one that has the swinging blades. Yeah. Trying to get to the top of the tower. Is that top? Is that tower where you fight like the two, People that you have to fight two bosses at once. No, that's um, Ornstein and Smo or Smoff or however you pronounce it. But um, that's in Anorlando. So that's the area right after that. Okay. And they have one of them has like, one of them is fast and one of them is like a big dude. Yeah. I pride myself on that fight because I killed them the first try. Wow. Yeah. So that was the one thing I remembered most from that game is that I was able to beat them in one go. That is very, very impressive. That is a very, very hard fight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I played up until that point, but Skyrim was out at the same time, and I was much more into Skyrim than I was Dark Souls. So I played it up to the point of Sense Fortress. I was like, F this. I went back to Skyrim and just, you know, played that for the 400 hours or whatever it is that I put into that game. Um, and then fast forward, I didn't play Demon Souls because uh, I didn't really Is that have the a one they screen. remade. Which one did they remake? Yeah. Remaster. Well, so they have a remastered of Dark Souls, which is what I was going to suggest. If you do want to replay that one, you should get that for PS4 because it's unbelievable. Okay. Um, and they also remade. They did a total rebuild of Demon Souls for PS5. Oh, and that's specifically for PS5. Or yeah. Is that okay? It's not on any other console. Oh. Um, it's gorgeous. Uh, I, I yeah, started you, to play through that, but you can play Dark Souls on Switch now. Yeah, I actually beat it on Switch as well. That'd be kind of fun, actually, to have it on Switch and just bring it everywhere you go. That'd be kind of neat. I might consider that (laughs) for Switch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still the remastered version, so I think it looks better than Xbox 360, but it's still like, it's 30 frames per second versus 60 frames per second, which honestly, like once you play Dark Souls in 60 FPS, it's kind of hard to go back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But you're probably playing Bloodborne in 30 FPS right now, so... Yeah, I well PS4, so I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, that's something I've never really paid too much attention to. 
Well, yeah, I did. I actually didn't for the longest time. It wasn't until games started coming out on like the PS4 Pro or now that I'm playing on PS5 and Xbox Series X, like almost everything is 60 frames per second. And then once you go back to 30 frames, you feel like you're like walking through molasses. Uh, right. It's just one of those things that like once you experience it, it's very difficult to go back. Yeah. Um, and a game yeah. like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, where it's really precise, you know, having those specific, you know, those extra frames makes you feel like you have more control over the combat and stuff. Right. That I'm, I'm, that's why I'm kind of like, I was considering buying Elden Ring. I'm like, I really want to play it on next gen. Yeah, I would do that. So I'm really going to, I think I'm going to hold off and then maybe just go with some of the other titles first and go from there. Um, so not to sidetrack, but would you do Xbox Series X or would you do? I think I would do Xbox Series X because yeah. I think I've played that more and I know I've talked about Game Pass a lot, but Game Pass has been good to me. Um, <laughs> I think PlayStation is getting some form of Game Pass, but I, I would actually agree. I, I think that this particular generation, I like the Xbox Series X hardware better. Um, I like the quick resume feature quite a bit. Mm. And honestly, like, it's just like a more, it's seeming, it's seemingly a more powerful machine, whether it is or not. Like, they've just done more work on some of the, games to make it feel like the backwards compatibility is giving you an upgrade to games a, a lot more than I've, I've kind of seen with ps5 and it seems um, really user-friendly i love being able to like now with cloud gaming i could just play something on my phone i could play something on this computer and as long as i have like the i think that's bundled in with game pass um but you have the mind link function hooked into the back of your neck the mind link Give me the neural, the neural mesh. As long as you're serialized in the Microsoft database. <laughs> well, yeah, as soon as you get the uh, Elon Musk's uh, chip in the, the brain there, you just like close your eyes and you're playing. That'd be, that's, that's, that's the next step right there. We'll never have any kind of uh, virus scares or anything because no one will ever leave their house ever again. And we'll all <laughs> die in a, in a pile of our own filth. Well, yeah, everything will just be like uploaded to that. So it's like the government would just send out like an email to our brain and then like it'll release like uh, the vaccine or something into your skull and probably kill you instantly. And that's how you eat cheeseburgers now, too. They send cheeseburgers. <laughs> that way. Yeah, because in the future, nothing, there's no flavor anymore. So they have to connect that to the flavor receptor of your brain. And they'll be like this. And you're just eating like, yeah, you're just eating like a, a blank slate, like this, right. like tofu, cult, like white like object. It's just a hunk of soy and they just turn it into whatever flavor you need. You have an app. Okay. This is a hamburger. So you have to set like, you have to set like a timer. It's like you hit the, I was like in two minutes, I'm going to be in this hamburger. Anyway, right. that's the future I want. And I believe in the sound of music. Comes I'm, in the yeah, I've actually been there. So I can confirm that that all, everything you just said is true. Okay. Um, so you're, so you're playing Bloodborne right now. That was actually the, that was the game that um, speaking of dying in a pile of your own filth, um that was the game that really got me into from software because so that came out i want to say it was like 2014 or 15 i might i might be wrong about that timing might have been 16 2015 okay so 2015 so it actually came out around the same time as um witcher 3 i believe so had another kind of strong contender um where i was like getting pulled away from another from software game but bloodborne gripped me so much that 
I went all the way through it and I absolutely loved it. And, and I think it was because the combat was a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit faster paced. It's more kind of focused on you being a little bit more aggressive and taking more risks and, you know, focusing on, focusing on dodge rather than block. So I just found the game to be more enjoyable. The music was just like super in, um, uh, in, um, encapsulating. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, engrossing. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Let me up for that one. Um, and the um, and haunting. The setting was just incredible. Very Vampire Hunter D, which we both have a. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. I think that's the vibe I first got when I saw the, just like the outfit. He's got the little. Yeah. He looked like a like a classic like Vampire Hunter character from that totally. universe. Yeah. Um, petticoat and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I totally forgot about the blocking when I was playing, as I've been playing Bloodborne, I totally forgot that you can't even block. It's they actually, when you, when you start the game, it's like in the first area in, um, in Yarnum, there's a guy who drops a wooden shield and you think like, oh, I'll get, the, I'll just use this wooden shield. And then, or you know what? It's actually not right at the beginning. Sorry. I think it's actually a little ways in but you get a wooden shield and you're like oh finally i have a shield. Oh, really and like if you use it it pretty much breaks instantly because the game <laughs> is trying to tell you like we don't use shields in this game um it's all about offense and yeah, host so so that game really um reinvigorated my my interest in the series and then i went back and played dark souls one and i just like it just clicked and i literally just tore through that I ended up um, really wanting to get the platinum. I'd gotten the platinum for Bloodborne. I really wanted to get the platinum for Dark Souls 1. Um, so I ended up doing like four playthroughs or something like that in a row. So I got to really know the game very well on top of, um, you know, really enjoying it on that first playthrough. Yeah, I mean, you can name all of the uh, towns like off the top of your head. Um, so yeah. in case you didn't know, listeners, uh, Andrew is quite the fan <laughs> of this series. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually. Uh, you know all the boss names too. Yeah, I definitely know all the boss names. Um, What's the name of the moth boss? Isn't that in that one? The moth person. The, uh, the moonlight butterfly. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, that I that really was that that actually kind of um, brings me to a, an idea or a, you know a thought of what makes the series like so much different. Like when you walk into that boss room, it's just like this beautiful illuminated like you don't even realize it's a boss at first mm. and it's just you're just on this little thin bridge yeah and it's like floating and you're like well it's so early in the game like you probably don't have a bow and even if you do it doesn't really do much damage so you're like what am i what is happening right now like how do i fight this thing what you know so it's like you just have like this mixture of experiencing this like kind of you know beautiful uh you know visualization and then also trying to figure out how to fight this thing at the same time. Mm. Um, and the, de and the, the energy attacks that it does are like brutal. Like if you're not paying attention, like they'll just like wreck you in a couple of hits. So um, I just thought that was such a cool boss where like the, the first couple of bosses you fight, they're very like the um, Taurus demon is the first one. He's the one that drops down on the bridge and you're like, Oh my God. Yep. Yes, and then the uh, Capra Demon is the is the one after that, I believe. 
Um, and they're both like very kind of traditional in your face, aggressive, and there's certainly tricks to them, but moonlight butterfly, you're kind of just like, what is happening right now? Like, like what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this? <laughs> and I think that's, that's what like really separates the soul series from other, you know, games. Like I feel like when you get to a boss in a Zelda game, they would always like in the opening cinematics, like, you know, in like Ocarina of time, you, you'd get an introduction to the boss and they'd be like, oh, there's a really you know, here's my eye or here's like this big, like red spot. That <laughs> they would show that in the cinematic to be like, wait for the eye to show up kiddos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in this game, it was kind of just like, it's more like that you like expect to die the first time, maybe even the second or third time to try to figure out what the heck's going on before you can even, you know, progress through it. So prepare to die. Yeah. Die. Those games and they're just memorable. I mean, like I played that game a long time ago and I remember the moth boss. I remember like the wolf boss and like, I don't remember their names, but it's just like those fights are memorable. It's like they're making an experience that is like a social like experiment in its own way, because that's one thing that a lot of people talk about these games is that it brings back a conversation to the community about like, how do we do this? What do we do that? And I know that yeah, I'm not part of that, but it's like, I know that people do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that it's, it's kind of the, um, the difference between a game like um, it's, it's, you know, recently came out. So it's kind of fresh in my mind, but um, forbidden West, the uh, horizon forbidden West or whatever, where it's just like constant yeah. cinematics, constant narration, and and that has its place, you know, like it feels like you're kind of playing through a movie um, and the exposition is like very obvious. And then you have something like Dark Souls, which is the exact opposite, where it's like the world is is very rich and the lore is very deep and it's very well thought through, but they don't tell you any of it. They give you like the intro movie and then you're just kind of on your own to read item descriptions and um, whatever you want to kind of put into it is what you'll get out of it. And I think that that's really cool because it's like, any worthwhile endeavor like an instrument or getting into you know drawing or painting or sculpting like what you bring to any one of those things like is what you're gonna kind of get back in return and um some people play dark souls just because it's got a bunch of challenging bosses and they're like okay that was cool it was a bunch of bosses in a row it was hard you know and they're done with it other people um like there's a couple of youtubers uh like uh Vadi Yada, I think is, is how you pronounce his name, but he does these like really incredible um, explanations of the lore and the backstory of the characters and the areas. And, um, you know, you could listen to a few of those videos and get totally reinvigorated to, to play the game over again, just because there's just so much to it that is, is under the surface. Is that the guy that you said also beat all of them without getting hit? No, there's a whole like community of people who are doing the whole no hit runs. Um, well, to go back to what you were saying, I think the gameplay, it is the experience, you know, when you compare it to a game like Horizon Forbidden West, it's like all these games, I think, get a little um, sidetracked with trying to have this crazy immersive storyline. And you forget why the person is playing the game. And when you experience a game like the dark souls and all these games that they're putting out, I think that's a really good point is that you're not being suffocated by having to go through all these long cutscenes and 
right. and dialogue, like excessive dialogue. You just want to play the game. And that gameplay is such like an in-depth exploratory experience that that's what you want to do. I mean, it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just, it's like a refreshing gameplay experience when you don't have to like worry if I'm like sitting, have to sit through like a crazy beginning tutorial or something, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And and the game can be played much faster on subsequent playthroughs. Like I just, and I'm not saying this to brag because there are people who literally like speed run without getting hit and they're crazy. And I'm like nowhere near that skill level, but you know, I started it on like a Sunday and had it beat by like a Wednesday just because I know the game so well that like I was able to run through it really, really quickly. Um, and when I was doing the platinum runs, like when you're playing the, the game back to back, I mean, you can literally go through the game in like six hours um, just to, because you know every single thing that you need to do. So it's like the game will move as fast as you're able to learn, you know, whereas you can't say that about other games where you get locked into these cinematics. Yeah. And you, can, you can skip cinematics and stuff, but I feel like certain games are designed to be they're, they're designed to not be overly long, but they have so much filler. They have so many kind of gaps, or even like what we've talked about with the Borderlands series, where the boss fights are kind of artificially lengthened by having these phases of um, invulnerability. Uh, vulnerability, yeah, um, which is totally maddening because it's like, okay, I already like level my character up enough to be able to just like stomp this boss, but I have to wait for the the game to like go through its you know hissy fit before it's willing to let me actually play. Yeah, the different um, stages of the boss fight. It's like, okay. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. And, and Dark Souls is just like a perfect design where, again, like the rules are what they are. Your movesets are what they are. There's never a time where the, you know, the game takes the control away from your character um, like they do in, you know, like a Final Fantasy VII remake or God of War or, or Horizon Forbidden West where they, you, they like try to make it more immersive by like having a, a cinematic integrated with gameplay and i just feel like i'm like oh suddenly i don't have control of my character anymore like this is totally bizarre um which i might be alone on that but um it's just know, it's, i'm just yeah. so tired of drawn out openings drawn out tutorial sessions it's like just throw me in the friggin' game i'll figure it out it's like right. a lot of these people have been gaming forever. If you want to put in like a separate tutorial for people that like have never gamed before in your life, in their life, put it right. in there. Like there have been countless times where I play with my brother online and we're trying to play this co-op game, but we can't even play co-op until we beat the tutorial thing, which is like an hour plus yeah, so time. Stupid. It's like, I don't want to play an hour. I just want to play with my brother. Yeah. Just let me have it's, some fun, man. It's the age old thing, you know, that happens in all in the entire entertainment industry. It happens, you know, in the music industry and in the movie industry where like the executives who are designing these things are, are assuming somebody's intelligent level or they're, you know, basically prescribing an experience rather than just letting the kind of art speak for itself and, and letting people decide if they want it, you know, if they're going to like it or not. Um, I think Gears of War did a pretty good job with the intro where it was like, do you want to get straight into the action or do you want to go through these like barracks or whatever it was where you could like kind of have a little bit more of a tutorial. You could get a little bit accustomed to the guns and stuff. So yeah. if you have your subsequent playthroughs, you're like, oh, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were some games I played where you can just drop right in and it's, it's wonderful even with like trying to play co-op and stuff, but it kills me when I got to wait that long to like, just play a game co-op and then 
But I like the I like the way Elden like not to not to spoil Elden Ring, but um Elden alert? Ring it just drops you right in. You know, like you're just basically um I mean I think a lot of open world games have kind of figured that out, but I think um Breath of the Wild had that the plateau is essentially a tutorial area, um, which is pretty brilliantly designed, but I almost would like it better if they kind of put that stuff in the proximity, but you could get to everywhere right away. Yes. Yeah. And I think another to move on to another thing that we were talking about before, where these games, they don't lead you anywhere. Like they don't, they're not trying to guide you in any directions. And what I'm trying to reference is just like the map that has like all the little icons in it. That's been like, I feel like we've both kind of gotten tired of that trope in gamings where it's like you have this big sprawling map and then you have all these little pins and like there's a side quest here's another side quest here's another thing a little little thing you can do over here and it's just like it gets overwhelming it's like that's what's nice about these dark souls type of games where you're just exploring and you're not stressing out about that aspect of it because a lot of times i just want to like with borderlands i just want to get through the storyline, but I get sidetracked so easily because there's different characters and other things. And like, ah, and I'm like, I have that addictive personality. I was like, I got to do that. I got to do that. And oh, there's a little exclamation point. And with these, it's just like, you have complete freedom of what you do. You can do a walk off a cliff and delete the game forever. If you wanted to, it's just kind of how it plays out. It's kind of a refreshing experience in that sense. It's, it's so refreshing. And, and I, and I feel like, um, what you were describing with the big map and all the icons like that actually detracts from the whole idea of an open world game because a lot of times you're just sitting in a load screen fast traveling between the locations so it's not like you're actually traversing like i remember this actually happened to me i think the first time in fallout 3 where i was so blown away by how amazingly huge the world was and then over time as i started playing the game more i'm just like i'm just literally in my pit boy just constantly fast traveling and then it's like you're not so i started actually deliberately just being like, if I want to go somewhere, I have to walk through the wasteland to get there to make the game more fun. Like I had to like physically make the game more fun for myself. And Dark Souls, there's no fast travel until very late in the game when you get um uh oh I just I just played it too and I can't think of what it's called now, but it's basically like a giant bowl that you put the boss souls into. The um, boss souls. The, bo- the bowl of boss souls? <laughs> bowl of boss souls, yeah. I can't think of it. There's the rite of kindling, which you get, which allows you to do the bonfires up to 20 Estus flasks. And then this thing is the other item that you get for beating one of the bosses. And um, it's how you basically access the last boss in the game. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on what it's called, but um, but that allows you to fast travel once you get it. That um, brings up another point of like the fast traveling and by the way the fallout pit boy experience very cool at first very annoying after a while that menu is awful and going through all the little little menu things and very cool but also like it's very slow and like kind of a mess but with the whole fast traveling thing the experience and since i'm playing bloodborne i'll reference that it's like well, um, the whole idea of shortcuts. So instead of yeah, forcing you to have to like want to fast travel, 
like, oh, you open up a shortcut and I can just walk that way now and not have to and avoid all these enemies and just go in this gate that I unlocked from behind and yeah. go that way. And I'm right there. I got to fight a couple ogres or troll guys, but that's no big deal. And it's better than a thousand one hitter guys that I can kill. But and that, that whole experience of like it being like this forcing you in a certain direction at first, but then you're kind of opening up all these little sideways and yeah, um, Willy Wonka ways and <laughs> fun stuff like that. Mysterious ways. Yeah. Th- I mean, that becomes an objective when you get to a new area too, because you know that that's how the game is. Des- like once you see that a couple of times, you're like this, these are, this is how these games are designed. So when I got to Bloodborne, I was like, where are the, you know, I'm looking for the shortcuts. Sometimes you might want to dodge through, you know, you got a bunch of blood echoes or souls and you're like, I just got to a new area, but like, I can't lose these souls. So you just start running through trying to find the shortcut, you know, back to a lantern or um, just so that you can kind of save those. Right. Yeah. That's another whole thing is like, at what point do I, I, um, collect myself and be like, I got to get back and go back to that home base and spend some souls. Um, that's always on the back of my head is that, that careful balance of like proceeding too far and then dying and then, um, and losing out on those, those echoes or souls or whatever you want to call them. The other thing that bloodborne does really, really well, first of all, with the whole souls thing in, in all the games, I love the fact that there's one resource and you just have to manage that single resource to do everything you need to do. Yeah. You, that's awesome. up, you need to, you know what I mean? It's like you use this one resource. If you want to buy something, you use the single resource. And there's some variation to that, or there's some exceptions to that. But for the most part, that's the case. Cause I hate games like the Witcher three has oh like five different types of currencies. And you're like, what? It's like, Oh, I thought I had a bunch of money. And then you find out that it's like, Oh, it's Florin's not orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, uh, so, so that's a really, you know, just, just, um, breath of fresh air in terms of design. And the other thing I love about Bloodborne specifically out of all the soul series is that there is a lot of weapon variety, but when you start the game, you choose between like an ax, a cane whip, uh, uh, the saw cleaver, and I'm forgetting one more, maybe a hammer or something like that. Oh, you can start with the cane whip. I totally missed that. Yeah. I think you can start with it. Um, anyway, so that you, they give you those weapons and once you get that weapon, you could play the entire game with that single weapon and have a great time. And you just upgrade that weapon and you, you know, imbue it with a gem and it does, you can get it to do fire damage. You can get it to do lightning damage, like whatever. Um, I'm not overwhelmed. I remember playing one of the first games that I remember playing that I really enjoyed, but I just got overwhelmed with the weapons was, um, I think it was Darksiders 2. Um, okay. With the four horsemen. Yep. It's kind of like a God of War meets Zelda type game. I played a little bit of the first one. Yeah, both of the games, uh, those two games anyway, are, are amazing. The third one I, I didn't enjoy as much, but um, the weapons are dropping nonstop. It's like Diablo. Like when you play Diablo 3 and it's just like weapons drop, weapons drop, armor drop, and you're just like, oh my God, I don't have time to evaluate every little sub characteristic on this piece of armor to determine, is it better than what I have? Is it better than what, you know, do I want to try to build toward this in the future? Just overwhelming. And in Bloodborne, it's like, here's your weapon, 
go kill stuff. It's going to be hard, but you don't need to worry about, you know, picking up this weapon or picking up that way. And when you get a weapon, because they are rarer in the environment, like I remember the first time um, you find a, you find a cannon that like is basically a one arm cannon that you can use for your gun. Um, I was like, this is like really cool. Cause it's like, you know, it's such a few and far between thing that you can, you know, obtain. Um, or when you find the other weapons, when you, whatever weapon you choose in the beginning of the game, I'm pretty sure you either you buy it, just find them. Yeah. You can, you can find I them. found the, I found a spare spear cleaver or the spear. It looks like the cleaver, but it's a spear version. So it has the two, the classic change it into like a giant spear or you can slash quick with it. Yeah. So like when you find something like that, because it's few and far between, it feels more special. You're like, Oh, I have this other weapon and I have some kind of emotional attachment to this other weapon. Whereas when they, when you get bombarded with, I mean, even happens in like borderlands, it's like, right. I'm so overwhelmed with the, the weapons. I don't care about them. And you're like literally making the thing that you're supposed to make the game enjoyable and in a, in appealing is the very thing that detracts from games. Like I've started playing tiny Tina's wonderlands and because I've played so many borderlands games in the past, like as the guns are dropping, I'm just like, this is early level. They're all, you know, greens and whites and blues. And I just don't, I don't care about these guns. Like, yeah, I know they're not what's actually out there as far as like good guns. So it's hard for me to like really get excited. And you're just kind of being like, oh, well, what's the, what are the shooting mechanics for this particular Borderlands game? And then when you get later in the game, in those games, whether it's Borderlands three or, um, uh, I can't really say this about two because two was very special, but you know, you, you just have so many guns and it, and it doesn't even appeal to like the collector type people. Cause I'm actually a kind of a completionist. I like to get every weapon in a game. Um, well, in Borderlands 2, you didn't have the space to have every weapon in the game. Like you, you couldn't get every legendary in the game because you didn't have the space in your vault. So you'd have to make dummy characters that you would just like use as like pack mules on like a separate <laughs> stage. Um, yeah, I find that to be a very, a very refreshing thing about the Dark Souls games and, and Bloodborne specifically, since I'm obviously playing that. But yeah, I was going to bring up Borderlands and how oversaturated the guns are. It's just like, I end up just selling everything because I just get fed up. It's like it's it's yeah. too much to pay attention to, and it's it too much to out of the game. Yeah, and like with Witcher too, it's just it's it's too much. And I know people love that, and, and like I love it sometimes too. I like to have all those options and make potions and all that stuff, but it's getting to a point where I just needed a, a, a long break from it, and I don't want to have to worry about my inventory space and what I can carry. So stupid. It's just, it's such a, it's like, it's like having like email management. Sometimes I remember the first game that I, I really made a correlation to this was Skyrim where I was going through my inventory one day and I was like, this is like being at work, checking emails. Like I'm literally yeah. going through, like, I don't need this. I don't need that. Oh, I think I can sell this. Like not that I can sell my email, but um, <laughs> it's just, it's too much. It's not the way I want to spend time in a game and dark souls basically, you know, it, it streamlines everything perfectly. So the only thing you're doing is dying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it goes back to the core, me- the core like mechanic of the game is just gameplay focused. Yeah. It's you controlling the character 
which is how it should always be. I mean, right. if you want to, if you love inventory management, get an inventory management simulator game and, right. and, and spend your Let's days like that. Simulator in VR. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to spend like have to spend 15 to 20 minutes of gameplay or more like filtering out stuff, having to go to vendors to sell stuff all the time and accidentally sent accidentally selling the one thing that you needed for a build or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then not realizing it. And then the buyback is gone or something. I mean, I like that they added like buyback and like, yes, that's a huge, huge improvement from what it used to be, but yeah. And it, it made me think of like resident evil four because or the Resident Evil games in general, I think that was a, a fun way to do it because it was almost like you're playing Tetris with your weapons to kind of fit them in that was really your cool. inventory. And but it, so, and it's not like overwhelming. You're like, oh, crap, I want to pick this item up. But should I use this herb right now so I can get yes. this, this ammo? But, again, that, that, but those items were so strategically placed. Exactly. It's strategic. very, very sparse. Yes. Yes. You yeah, it's like it's it part of the game. Yeah, it's like, yes, it's like embedded in the game where you have to actually think in terms of just being like, uh, uh, it's too many. I gotta, this one has plus, uh, one extra damage. I guess I'll use this weapon and put it in my end. Borderlands is the worst with that because it's like, oh, it's uh, 4,034 times 12. And it's like, oh, I have this other one that's like 18,000 <laughs> yeah. times three. And it's like, I, and then, and then when you look, if you try to just use like the indicators where it's like, oh, it's like the arrows up, it's more, more better. But then like, you don't account for the rate of fire or something like that. It's like, well, the rate of fire means that even though it does less damage than the other gun, it does more damage over, you know, has more DPS basically. So you should right. lower damage. So it's like, they haven't actually figured out a way to make that, that system like easy to manage. So you're constantly evaluating. Um your guns in your inventory and yeah i mean basically after i played bloodborne and and got really into the dark souls series again and then dark souls 3 came out which i have we haven't even talked about yet which i really want to spend some time on because that, that game is like truly special um you know i just i started kind of picking up on some of these tropes and some of these annoyances with other games where it used to be exciting to pop in a new game be like what's the system and how does this work but the more you, more games you play, the more um, you require, like, you you know, there's there's some set of rules that we already know that, like, you can just kind of skip over that and, like, just get right down to a new idea, you know? And I think that some games that have come out over the years, like a Bioshock um, or, like, Dishonored, um, just came to the table with new ideas and right. you know, new game mechanics that you know put a spin on the first person shooter genre you know we we went from um halo and call of duty and, and that kind of thing and it was like, okay that that's really enjoyable how do we take it to the next level okay let's add telekinesis and let's add the ability to shoot you know fire from one hand and have different types of guns that you can cycle through on a weapon wheel on the other on the other hand or in the case of um dishonored go through the entire game and don't kill anybody in a first-person shooter that's pretty cool you know i mean it's not the way that i played it of course but uh yeah i mean that's one of the rare achievements for that game is yeah. not kill anybody there was a game that i started playing on uh came out on game pass it's an indie game called tunic and it's a very zelda it's like third person zelda like 
and you're it's 3D, but you're and you're a little fox guy. But what they do in that game is very creative because I don't want to fully spoil it, but you ready for a partial spoil. Partial spoil, you find like pieces of manual. So it's almost like you're finding like pieces from like an NES manual mm-hmm. throughout the game, and it's telling you what certain things does. So it's kind of like putting you in the game and you don't know what certain stuff does until you find the manual pieces. So it's almost like this puzzle element of you figuring out, oh, so that does that. And then there's like parts that are, are in a different language in, from the game. So it's kind of a really creative idea. Yeah, that's and awesome. I'm looking forward to, to playing that, but I recommend it to anybody who's looking for a very a new kind of gaming experience because it's pretty neat. That's 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 what I want is I just I want these game developers to start thinking outside the box, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it's I mean it's true across the board. When we were growing up, you know, we used to always talk about music where it was just like you know, the first time we heard something like Mike Patton was like, okay, like here's somebody who's actually breaking molds and, and trying to do something interesting and different i feel like that needs to be how game designers are looking at it and unfortunately the majority of people are satisfied with the same types of games over and over and over again mm-hmm. um and that's why we have the many assassin's creed games that we have and the many and not that, not that there's anything wrong with those games i mean they're they're brilliant games in their own right but after the first you know four or five of them um, I mean, they even had to change up the formula at least a little bit to make them more open world. Yeah, and they added more inventory stuff, and you can actually equip stuff now. And I was playing Odyssey for a bit. It is cool, but I did fall out of it pretty quick. Um, I don't even remember why. I just lost interest, maybe. But there were some cool new stuff. But um, so yeah, you played Dark Souls. Dark Souls tool you didn't like. So what about yeah, that? I tried, I tried, I've tried that game so many times. I keep trying to create a new save and I'm like, this time I'm going to do it. I'm just going to power through it. And I just can't get into it. I cannot. Um, and this act, that actually good, happened man. to me with Sekiro as well. But I will say that I think that Sekiro is a brilliant game, even though it completely defeated me as a gamer. <laughs> I still respect it tremendously. I think that it's objectively amazing. It's, it's a beautiful game. The design's amazing. The combat's interesting. The systems are new and exciting and, different and it's a cool spin on what they were doing um it came out after neo which was kind of like the right neo the dark souls um i don't even know who makes that but i know it's who is it team ninja oh okay yeah people who made ninja gaiden that makes a lot more sense (laughs) it is it is basically the in my opinion it's the perfect blend first of all i love i love both of those games but um when did ninja gaiden their first one come out Let's find out. Uh, the one that was three, the the one that was three D with uh, Ninja Gaiden. Ninja yeah, Gaiden. the three D one. Gaiden. Uh, it was about two thousand. Was it or Black Ninja Gaiden Black? Well, I think it was just Ninja Gaiden, and then Black came out afterwards as a harder version of that first release. I think was Sigma it? was the first one. What I'm getting at was is was this before Demon Souls? It's my question. Oh yes, by far. Definitely. Because that's like the original Dark Souls. Because I remember that game being hard as hell and you loved that game. And well, I never... If you want to talk about the original Dark Souls, it's actually Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've gotten close. I've gotten to the last... I've gotten to the boss of that. I couldn't... I, I might have beat it once as a kid. 
but yeah, that was, woo. I beat it with save states. I have to say, you know, I could, I could not do it straight through, but I beat it on the SNS sure. classic. Um, you have to actually beat the game twice, which is just miserable. But, um, but yeah, that game is actually the first Dark Souls because you actually are a knight. Arthur is a yeah. knight. Got it. Yeah. And you're fighting all the, you know, demons. So it's like the same setting and everything. It's true. Um, but yeah, so, so Dark Souls completely blew me away. And then right around that time, after I, after I'd beaten that Dark Souls three came out and it was the perfect marriage between Bloodborne and Dark Souls. It's literally a meld of those two games. So you have all of the kind of best parts of both of those. Oh, really? Um, you, you move much faster. You can actually start like changing your play style. Like in Dark Souls one, like there is one play style that works the best and that's get the biggest sword that you possibly can and level your strength up as much as you possibly can. And you'll just like decimate. Um, in Dark Souls 3, you could, you know, do more of a mage build. You could do, um, you know, a more dexterity build and have really cool weapon arts. Um, and you can do the kind of more traditional strength build if you want to do that. Um, and you you could also spend a lot of time kind of dodging rather than blockings, which I, I'd prefer dodging to blocking. I just think it's a more engaging play style. Um, and the bosses were really, really, really hard. The so end boss. perfect dodge where if you dodge you can like stab them or something or is that the parry, Actually, uh, parry? it's parry yeah you, okay yeah so if you it, like as and that's actually in all the games that's basically what you get even in bloodborne when you were right. the yeah. repost yes exactly repost yes that's one of the most sad i used to love getting that in dark souls it's just like and the sound effect it makes yeah, well, and what's really cool in Bloodborne specifically is you actually, if if they had Ooh. recently hit you, you get a bit of your health back with that move. That's a pro tip. Um, just just in general, when you're attacking, you get, like if they attack you and then you just start attacking them, like your health bar just starts to go up. Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. Bloodborne, man. Mechanic. Yeah, I I think Bloodborne <laughs> is my favorite of of all of the From Software games. Bloodborne is. I I go back and forth um, between Dark Souls three and Bloodborne. But okay. I think the Bloodborne is is just the perfect. Uh, it's the perfect game. It's a ten out of ten. Elden Ring doesn't do it for you enough. Yeah, um, and so it, it oh. seems like Elden Ring is a lot very magic focused. Is that? I mean, I don't think it's anything Fair. focused. It's, it's very open ended. You could play it however you want. They took that from you know Dark Souls three and carried it forward. Like if you want to do a mage build, sure. I mean, I did a straight. Well, I didn't do any. I I did a Dex intelligence build, and it was only because of the weapons that I wanted to use. Um, Were you a samurai? I started as a samurai. Um, samurai Jack. I don't know what I ended. Did you kill the turtle pope. <laughs> What's that? Did you kill the turtle pope? No, I will never kill any <laughs> turtles in that game because that's <laughs> what terrible people do. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no digital turtles were harmed in the making of uh, of my. Program. They will die. Um. So yeah, so Elden Ring is is kind of a weird thing for me because, you know, at this point I've played, I've at least played every every from software game. You know, more recently, um, many of them I've played several times through. Um. Well, you've already like, played Elden Ring twice now, right? Yeah, I I platinum Elden Ring as well, and I will say that it was like. 
even that was kind of a little bit lackluster for me. Like platinum, when you have to platinum Bloodborne or you have to platinum Dark Souls three or even Dark Souls one, like those are major undertakings. Like getting right. every single weapon, every single ring. Sometimes you have to do multiple playthroughs because some of the rings are the plus two or plus three versions. So you have to go to New Game Plus or New Game Plus Plus, and that's why I had to do multiple playthroughs of those games. This game you can actually platinum, and I didn't do it this way because I because I pref- I didn't want to look anything up for Elden Ring. So I played the whole first playthrough without looking anything up. Oh, wise. Um, so I had to play it again, but you can actually platinum it by just doing one playthrough because what you can do is you can actually back up your save right at the end, and then you can go back and do the things that meet the requirements to get the different endings. I like so that. I ended up doing that for the other two endings that I needed to get. But that's another example. Like, So you had a, a save state right before you beat it? Is that what you're saying? Okay. No, you beat it. No, it's even better oh. than that. You actually beat it. And then you can literally go back and meet the requirement to get the different endings. So you can beat it. How does that work? You beat it, you back up your save, and then you load up your save and you do one of the endings. And then you uh, get the achievement or the trophy. And then you reload the save again, leave the area that would be, that would trigger the ending of the game, but you've already beat the last boss. And then you can go like do the thing that you need to do to meet the requirement for the alternate ending. Oh, and then really? you can fast travel back to that place and just like touch something. And then that gives you the second ending that then gives you the other trophy. Um, oh, interesting. And you can do that three times. So you can do that for all three endings in one playthrough, which I is cool. Actually, I think that's actually an improvement because it has always annoyed me that I've had to play the game multiple times. But one of the things that I felt like is it I have obvi- is it obvious? No, yeah, I had to look it. I had to look that up. I couldn't okay. figure that out on my own. But I did one of the weird endings. Um, so you suck. Well, yeah, <laughs> not, not, not for that reason. The whole plethora of bad life decisions that I've made that we won't get into that uh, back up that statement. But um, I did one of the weird endings on my first playthrough just because I wanted to get the. Um, uh, I just like started following this quest line and it just like led me down a path to get this other ending. So, um, but, but in, in Elden Ring, you only have to get like seven swords, like the top seven swords, the top, like most legendary summon spells. So it's like a small percentage of what the game has to offer. Um, whereas in the other souls games, it was like, you must do everything. You must get everything. And you have to play the game multiple times. Um, and it's going to be a serious, serious test of endurance. So when you lo- unlock that platinum, it has the same feeling that you have from um, playing the game in general, which is like, it's very hard. And when you actually finally do it, it's a huge sense of accomplishment. And, and getting those platinums was very, very just satisfying to see that trophy unlocked. And with this one, I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm done with Elden Ring. Like, I, <laughs> like, I don't care about this. Like, um, I, there was a lot I liked about the game. Very, very. Do you get a separate. Do you get a separate achievement for getting all three endings? Is it like you got all three endings? Um, you get one. You get a trophy for each ending, and then you need all three of those endings to then get the platinum. So that's the way. It, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So Elden Ring was a was a brilliant game, but the problem that I had with it was the fact that it relied too much on the summon mechanic in its boss design. Um. I didn't find the bosses to be fun because they just seemed 
like their hitboxes and like their animations were so short there was like no time to like do anything um whereas in the other souls games like they gave you more time to to heal like if you had made if you made a, a simple mistake you could back off heal during certain like mm-hmm. animations but these bosses were very aggressive like a bloodborne boss actually but you have the move set of a dark souls character so it's like okay this feels like a mismatch um so does that mean when you say it relies on the summon mechanic that's like another guy that comes to help you yeah but it's so, like a non-player character yeah you, you get you basically get summons that you can just kind of go through your inventory and just like use once per battle um and you end up kind of just having the boss get distracted by that and granted i know that's not the only way to play it but if i did have to play it so soloing the bosses i don't think the game would be nearly as fun because i don't think the bosses are as brilliantly designed they're they feel very lazily designed to me by comparison to some of the other games because they relied very heavily on huge sweeping attacks that took up the whole environment aoe attacks aoe blasts um so it's just not the same i I felt like i didn't have these moments of like feeling like i was kind of ducking in and out of the attacks and like like there's a there's a boss in um dark souls 3 that's kind of renowned for being like one of the hardest bosses in the whole from software series it's um uh the nameless king oh no when you beat the nameless king um gets a name he does not get a name he just dies Um, (laughs) no name uh, (laughs) he dies nameless um well there's some secret lore about who he might be but oh um, shit he's your future self (laughs) he's you (laughs) um anyway so you know you you feel satisfied because of the fact that you there's so much cool interaction you're dodging these like these perfectly timed like animations and like everything is just like very kinetic in in the in the fight and i feel like in elden ring it was just like get as far away from the enemy as you possibly can let them do their bs get distracted by your summon and then go in and swipe at their back (laughs) it's like this isn't like as fun as like there was so many attacks that the bosses would do where like you you couldn't back dodge you couldn't side dodge you couldn't you know you couldn't dodge to the right the left um it was just like you had to just be far away and then you had to try to get them distracted with something else um the windows are just very very small so i i just didn't love the boss design um the open world design i think was a really really good first attempt i think it could definitely evolve and become a little bit less copy and pasty Um, but for the most part i think that it was a it was a brilliant game and i would probably give it like a nine or 9.5 out of 10 um because you know it's tough because it's like what's that you heard it here first folks 9.5 out of 10 (laughs) i think that it's you know it it's the it's like talking about you know the worst radiohead album or something it's just like you know the worst of the best is still amazing right so elden ring Mm -hmm. is still a very very amazing game but Um, bad pizza is still bad pizza no matter i don't think i've ever had bad pizza because i used to eat like even cafeteria pizza that you could taste the pan like it tastes like the metal of the pan which is probably the worst pizza mm. that I, could think of. I still ate it and metal. i did not care that's not good <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do, do they one of the things that you, you're talking about dodging and stuff i always was annoyed i think it was in the first dark souls where the enemy is like oh and like if you dodge too soon he's like 
like splat and then like he'll he'll follow your movement and just like hammer down yeah, like oh you went over there huh i can see where you went but yeah. sometimes it's a little cheesy it's just like <laughs> yes 100 percent agree i actually thought that that was something that started in like dark souls 3 but when i went back and played the first dark souls the the, the person that you're probably even thinking of doing that first is havel the guy who has the big dragon tooth he's got like, the big armor he's at the bottom of the well he drops the ring so you can like carry more um possibly i don't know Apple's ring anyway he's he's a pretty like famous it's like him and solaire are probably the two most famous like characters in the first dark souls um the guy who says praise the sun oh right um actually, i don't think he actually even says that but uh anyway so that character he literally is at the bottom of the well when you go down there like if you you'll like you'll dodge to the right and your character will go left because he's like pivoting in place 360 <laughs> like, moving the, like moving the camera on you and you're like what is happening right now i didn't even dodge in that direction but dark souls one is not about dark dodging like it just it's not a good um option or game mechanic you know um as compared to blocking or parrying um or just like making sure that you're kind of out of harm's way when stuff's going on like um whereas bloodborne is much more like get like inside the the boss's like you know comfort zone and you know stay on top of the boss as much as you possibly can and dodge like crazy that's like the best way to beat it same thing with dark souls 3 um so yeah they're all kind of a little bit different in that way well, i've been loving my experience with bloodborne so far uh, i was very hesitant at first um when i first started it it was very haunting i was scared and i still remain scared i've tried to kill um, i'm learning a lot i've tried to kill certain enemies that didn't go so well there's like that guy in the beginning where you have to roll through boxes or destroy boxes and he has like a giant like meat cleaver looking thing he's killed me every time i've tried to kill him oh i know exactly what you're talking about it's like right Huh? Yeah, it's like on it's on the way, like you're descending and there's like some um like rafters and stuff that go down to like a sewer area. Uh he's just like chilling by a window. There's like he's like hiding behind boxes, right? Yeah, I don't know if that's the same guy. Is he like kind of tall? He's big. He's like big and rounded and but he's right where he's like <laughs> he's very big. He's fat. The big boy. Oh, that is not appropriate. Say, so, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> is my man. Um, he is tough. Okay, it's right. It's right where that's. It's right near the intro, like the first bell, the first teleport bell, and you go down the stairs, and then there's those that row of guys that are walking with dog, with a dog or something. Okay, yeah. Is he behind the door? Is he the one pounding on the door? <clears throat> no, he's just like walking, pacing. And then there's like a big carriage next to him and you go down. Um, it's not in any, it's in like an open area. It's not like an enclosed space. And then you go down there and he's, you have to break through boxes to get to him and barrels and stuff. And he's just kind of pacing and he's like a high level dude for the spot he's in. Oh, I don't even think anything's over there. I know what you're talking about. He's got, a, he's hooded, right? Yes, he has a hood. It's like an executioner guy. Yeah. He so so yeah, when you come out of like the main area and scares him, you could go left and you find him like kind of underneath the stair, not underneath the stairs, but he's like behind the stairs. Or you could go toward yes. the village where all the people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he's awful. Um yeah, he sucks. The secret with him is to not fight him. 
<laughs> I even like one time I just got past him to see if there anything was over there. There's nothing even there. He just he drops. He drops. He drops a lot of blood echoes for mm-hmm. one, but um, so he's a good like farming enemy. If you can figure out how to kill him, I think the best way to you know, burn him. him as he's about to swing, you shoot the gun and you get the repost with him. If you do that repeatedly, like that's a good way to kill him early on in the game. Yeah, I really got to practice the repost stuff and the, the timing with that to really hone it. I've gotten which is oh. which is tough because it's you have to use a finite resource. You, you have to use the quicksilver bullets, which unlike in Dark Souls, you could just basically keep practicing with the shield until you get the timing down. But in this game, it's like you're wasting a valuable resource as you're trying to practice. I do like that when you kill some of the little, like the bigger guys, you'll get um, blood vials. Is that what the healing thing is? They'll give you a couple blood vials, which is kind of nice of them. Um, yeah, and if you get over 20, it'll actually automatically go into your storage box in the Hunter's Dream. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, so so you can actually start, you can stock up. Like, oh. going in the game, I mean, I think that, you know, there was a time where I had like three or 400 blood vials. Oh, really? in storage so like as i was like really having a hard time with the boss i would just keep respawning with 20 over and over oh and over. so it actually and it actually you don't have to go back there to get them it just the right resp- yeah it just automatically will fill it for you that's kind and of then when you when you re- when you respawn and you have like 13 or something you're like oh no i'm out of blood files this is not good so <laughs> i'm running low yeah. um but yeah the experience been cool uh very um i remember my first time playing it, there was a point where I got to where there were like women laughing and I literally thought it was outside my building. And I was yeah, like, the audio is incredible. Yeah. It was, I was like, what the hell is that? And it freaked yeah. me out. And then finally I like, I muted the TV and it stopped. And that was like how I figured out that I wasn't like losing my mind. <laughs> the but, in the yeah. The audio is insane. The music is in, is incredible. The sound of it is incredible. It's just pay attention I'm just to that. Glad I'm getting back into it because it is a very cool experience. Yeah, I'm really glad you you, you picked it back up uh, as well because it's definitely like it's one of my favorite games that I've ever played, and um, it's hard it's hard for it to get its hooks into you. Like if you can play the these from software games, it does not really pick up what they're putting down, and it just doesn't really resonate. And I think a lot of people do that. They pick it up. They're like, this is way too hard. I don't want my games to be this hard, but you're missing out on something that's truly special because the reality is the games actually are not that hard. You just have to learn. You have to pick up what they're putting down. You have to learn the mechanics. And then you can, I mean, like I was telling you, like you can literally run through most areas in any Dark Souls game. Like when I'm doing these multiple playthroughs and I was going crazy, or like when I did Elden Ring again, I did Elden Ring in a day. I did the entire game in a day on my second, on my new game plus playthrough because I just knew where everything was. I knew what I could run by. I knew which bosses were required. And I just did, you know, that bare minimum very, very quickly. Um, so I think that, you know, that's part of the joy of it is like uncovering the mystery of what are the techniques you need to use to make the game easier, you know, and, and leveling up obviously helps as well. Um, I think they are games that really can be for everybody. You just got to try it. And yeah. It, it gets it gets its hooks in you, man. It gets it in there because I was a podcast. I was listening to Game Scoop. There's this guy that hosted. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that podcast, but he's 
never been able to get into uh, Souls games until he played Elden Ring. And he, even that one he hated, but then he went, gave it another shot and it like, he finally got what it was that like people enjoy about it. And a lot of it is just a bunch of the stuff that we've already kind of talked about. So it's just getting that to that point where you're like, you know what, this is good. And I think a lot of people are realizing that. I mean, that's been the talk of the town is that Elden Rings is like a good entry point for people who have never been able to get into Souls games. But Which is weird because it is very, I mean, it's a very difficult game. Yeah, it is weird. That's I think it's weird too. I didn't even. It's, if anything, okay. I think it's like, I think it would almost be harder because there's, it's like, where the hell do I go? What do I do? How do I do any of this stuff? It's actually like, I feel like me being a Souls veteran going into that game was such an advantage. Whereas if I went into that for the first time, I'd be like, oh my God, this is like impossible Skyrim. <laughs> well, you know what? That might be what it is. I think people that are saying that are people that have played all the games before. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Ellen Green is a good uh, entry point. And they're like, yeah, compared to the exactly other ones, you made, maybe. Huh? Yeah. Because I know exactly what to do. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, one of the things they were talking about is the teleportation thing is easier in the. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's, that's, a lot of people had a problem with that. I thought that was a really brilliant design that the sites of grace were so plentiful. Cause it's like, I, that's something that I don't like need as a part of the difficulty. Like, I want the difficulty to be built into the combat, right. not necessarily into like, I can't get to this area or I, or I got to this area, but I couldn't find the bonfire because it's like in this obscure place. And that was actually one of the problems going, you know, back to earlier in, in, in this episode when I was talking about Sense Fortress and Dark Souls 1, you have all these swinging blades. You're trying to get to the top of this fortress. Well, the bonfire at the top is like off a cliffside. Oh. Like fall. You have to like get to the top of the tower. Then you have to like go and fall off the edge of the tower to find the bonfire. And it took me an embarrassingly long amount of time to figure that out or find that. So I kept getting <laughs> to the top and right. dying and then having to go all the way from the bottom to the top of the fortress each time. It was yeah. Brutal. And those games are, are a little bit more linear, right? I mean, Elden Ring is a much bigger map. It, yeah. I mean, it's a substantially bigger map, but, but this, that's one of the things that I think is being advertised that it's a little bit of a misrepresentation because as I said before, like Dark Souls one, is very open world in the sense that you have three, you know, three potential opportunities right from the rip. As soon as you hit Firelink Shrine, you can go in three different directions. Um, and granted, yes, like try linear, very hard. I guess to, saying yeah, it's linear is kind of doing a disservice in some regard, but it's it's guiding you through like like a path where. Well, I haven't played Elden Ring, so I don't know, but it seems like Elden Ring you have a lot more. You can literally just go three sixty anywhere you want. Yeah, you can. And and one thing I think that Elden Ring kind of has um, in terms of kind of evolving in the right direction for Souls games is like, there's nothing worse than being stuck on a single boss and not being able to go anywhere. That, that's that's not a face that should be. <laughs> This is the final boss of uh, Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's the final boss of my nightmares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was making a bad face for anybody listening. Nobody's anyway. listening right now. They've long since. <laughs> they will lost them. soon. We lost them somewhere around the time we were talking about Neo, trying to figure <laughs> out. <how to> that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but uh, I forget what I was saying now. But um, the directional, you can go like 360 anywhere. Blah blah blah. 
Oh, I was talking about, I think I was talking specifically about Elden Ring in terms of direction. Like, so, so one of the things I think that the game fixes is that if you get stuck on a boss and you're fighting it a you know, million times over, if, if you're in Elden Ring, you can just be like, F this, I'm going oh, somewhere. Right. And literally just go in a different direction and like find something easier. Yeah. But that also led to the fact that like later in the game, I started uncovering these like early game bosses and I was just like, yeah, <laughs> they would just like die instantly. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. get a horse too. Do you like that? Yes, the the horse is probably the best design horse in any video game that I've ever played. Um, I thought I thought the Witcher with Roach was pretty pretty brilliant, but this is even better because you literally just hit a button and it, the horse just appears underneath you. Yeah, I saw a couple uh, videos of that. I'm like, all right, I'm down with that. It's yeah, like, why but, not? It teleports in in every other game anyway. Right. Exactly. Kind of, the, the game tries to hide it from you. Yeah, like in Witcher Three, Roach kind of just like. When you call him, he just kind of comes in proximity. It's funny when I, I sometimes I call him and he'll be like <laughs> going over like yeah, the like, or terrain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is really funny. Yeah. Um, I honestly stopped using the horse in The Witcher after a while. I was just like, I can just w- when you're when you're running in The Witcher, there's, there's a stamina bar that you can run a certain duration of time where the stamina bar won't even deplete. So what I would basically do is I would basically just run. And not deplete the stamp like up until the point where it wasn't depleting. And then I release the run button for a second and then do it again. Just kind of reach uh, that's awesome. Yeah, because the horse can get a little obnoxious sometimes because it tends to want to follow the path. Yeah. And you're like fighting it to like get off yeah. the path. Yeah. There's there's like time, there's like times to use it, times not to use it, basically. But um a lot of times I was like cutting across lakes and stuff. I was like swimming across like a huge <laughs> body of water to like to make a shortcut. But yeah. um so yeah, I mean that, that I think that that's from software in, in a nutshell. They're very difficult games, but you know, I think if you put the time and energy into learning the mechanics, um, you know, they're really not any more difficult than somebody, you know, the first time you ever played like a Zelda game or something, right? Where it's like you've got very specific rules that the game sets, you know, in front of you and People know those rules now because they've been out for 30 years, but I think at some point, like the soul series will have, it'll become, it's already started to kind of become tropey. Like there's so many kind of souls like clones. A lot of games that are difficult are being compared to it. A lot of game developers are inspired by I know. mechanics where like, you know, you lose these like um, Jedi fallen order was very, oh, yeah. which was another brilliant game. That game was great. I love that. Very, very combat was very difficult. In that. Yeah. And, you know, same kind of thing where you lost, you know, you had like the little meditation. Oh, yeah. just like a bonfire. Yeah. So, I mean, games are definitely um, evolving because of what From Software is bringing to the table. And I I think that that's so cool that, you know, it's the seemingly kind of, you know, something like Demon Souls comes out or what was it? Kings? What was the thing you talked about from PS1? Oh, Kings Field, the the first From Software game. Yeah, so I mean, like they they kind of came out of this evolution and eventually kind of made a hit that then didn't you know didn't just do well. Like I feel like Bioshock, right? Like that was something that came out of nowhere and it was really great and everybody loved it. It was revered, but like it didn't revolutionize the gaming industry. Like there's not a bunch of Bioshock clones coming out. No, um, that's true. But but Dark Souls actually like has literally like rocked the boat and like now like I saw on. Um, I think it was on uh, Twitter, a bunch of um, 
Ubisoft or Ubisoft, however you pronounce that, uh, a bunch of devs were flipping out that it was like, there's not even any good UI in Elden Ring. Oh, they don't even have like stuff cluttering the whole screen and making it miserable for the player. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, they're like angry about it because they don't get the fact that like, this is how you design a brilliant game. People are smarter than you're giving them credit for. And honestly, it's your duty to <laughs> people everywhere to make something that actually uh, forces people to, you know, be a little bit smarter or, yeah, you know, work for something rather than just like force feed it to them because you're not doing any service with with games like Forbidden West. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I think that's it, man. From software, prepare to die. Let yourself die. You, you have to die in these games. There's no other way around it. Accept that way. Yep. Face fear, like you told me. Yep. Fear the old blood. <laughs> fear the old blood. All right, well, that wraps up another Robots After All. And until next time, I'm sure we'll find something else to talk about in the future. Who knows what it'll be? It's a mystery. Maybe the Batman. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. All right. Bye.